This information is subject to a disclaimer at the end of this podcast. Please ensure that you listen to the disclaimer and go to www.ubs.com for further information about UBS. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to UBS Global Research Pod Hub, a channel that shares insights from economists, strategists, and equity analysts on the pivotal questions and events shaping today's markets. My name is Sambudha Ray, Global Product Manager at UBS Research, and with me today, we have Claire Jones from our Global Quantitative Research team. In the recent past, there has been a growing interest in the topic of carbon investing, from market commentators to corporates and even governments. And as a result, interest in carbon in a finance context is at an all-time high. In this episode, we'll be exploring some of the key elements of this theme. So Claire, thank you for very much for joining. You've been writing extensively on this topic for the past few months. Give us a sense on how to think about carbon investing. What is it? Carbon investing is a very broad church. It includes any kind of investing that takes carbon emissions from companies into account. That could be something as simple as saying you're not going to invest in certain very high emitting names, companies with very high carbon emissions, or excluding certain sectors. Other other approaches you could take, um, the best-in-class approach is another very popular option. Mm -hmm. So that means buying names from every sector, but making sure you pick the companies with the lowest carbon emissions from that group of companies. You also see people doing things uh, like impact investing, mm-hmm. which means only investing in companies which are you know, taking an active part in addressing the, the climate solutions. Interesting. It has grown its popularity. I mean, the theme has become very popular in the recent past. Why has it become so important now? What has changed? That is an interesting question. So in part, I think it's because awareness of climate issues has has grown enormously. Things like COP26 are bringing this more and more to people's attention. And, you know, it's a very eye-catching subject. Um, More prosaically, uh, the data that makes it easy to do this kind of investment um, planning and decisions has become available. So we can do this kind of strategy now. Okay, so there is a data that we can track. So tell us a little bit about that in terms of Uh, How can you tell if a company has a big or less carbon footprint? Is there a metric that we can measure? Sure. So most of the big companies, you know, things that you'll be investing in the FTSE 100, for example, most of those now disclose their carbon emissions. So you can find that in annual reports or on their website. And there are commercial data providers who will sell you that information as well. Generally, we don't look just at the raw number saying, you know, this company emitted this many tons of carbon, but it's something called carbon intensity. Mm -hmm. So that's the ratio of your emissions uh, to your sales. Interesting. Ratio of emissions to sales. That's very key. All right. So now that we know a little bit about uh, what is carbon intensity, could you give us a sense on what kind of companies have high carbon intensity or low carbon intensity? Is there a pattern that can be noted? Is there, are there any regional, sectorial differences that you can share? There are massive sector differences, and I think you'd expect that. Sure. If you think about you know, the emissions that might come from running an insurance company versus to running a coal plant, you know, there are very, very big differences. Uh, we found that um, the energy, materials and utilities sectors, so those three sectors, they represented about three quarters of the total emissions associated with companies in, a, in a, the MSCI World Index, but only a fifth of the sales. You know, they are big, big carbon intensity companies. 
Um, in terms of regional differences, uh, typically you find European, US and Japanese companies have lower carbon intensities. It's not true for every stock, but mm -hmm. typically. And then Chinese and Australian companies tend to have slightly higher carbon intensity. Oh, interesting. So there are big differences there. So in, in your report, correct me if I'm wrong, you have actually designed a portfolio of stocks mm -hmm. with low carbon intensity. So tell us a little bit on how did you construct the portfolio? So we took a best-in-class approach, and that means that we look at all the companies from a particular region and sector, say European financials, and we pick the stocks which have the, uh, the lowest carbon intensity compared to their peers. So we repeat that for all of the different sectors and regions, so you know, Japanese utilities, European financials, and so on, and we put all of those names together to build a portfolio and you know, see how that portfolio performs. It's a lot greener than the overall benchmark, um, so it has 62% uh, lower carbon intensity than the overall benchmark, um, but it still uh, performs relatively in line with it. It has a small tracking error in our financial vocabulary. Now, that is a little controversial, this approach, because you will still be owning some oil and gas names, sure. but we try to make sure that we're picking the best names from within each sector. Understood. So it's sector neutral mm -hmm. that way. Okay. And, and uh, you said that the portfolio has performed well, did you? It has. Um, so it's, well, in our simulated backtest, it performed well from 2009 to about 2014, outperforming the benchmark. Then it performed in line for a few years, and then since about 2019, it's outperformed again. So overall, looking over that whole period, it's outperformed the benchmark by about 1% a year. And that's, you know, that's pretty good. It's done particularly well in Europe, but um, it doesn't underperform anywhere. So it's, uh, it's an interesting strategy to follow. Okay, that's good. So now that we talked about what is carbon intensity, how to measure it, um, is there a way that we can identify or anticipate companies that are likely to reduce their carbon footprint in the future? It's a hard problem because, I mean, if you're following the news, you'll see that a lot of companies you know, are putting out press releases saying we'll be net zero by 2050 and things like that. And it's hard to know which of those statements people are going to follow through on and you know, right. manage to, to make a success. We've taken a slightly different approach in some of our research. Instead of looking at what companies say, we look at who owns companies. So the idea here is if a company is mostly owned by long-term institutions, long-term investors, probably pension funds, for example, mm -hmm. um, who care about carbon issues, then they may be able to persuade company managements to change their business practices and reduce carbon intensity. So we study who owns companies, and if they fit that profile, we predict that they're likely to uh, reduce their carbon intensity in the future. That's very, very interesting. So if you want to own any of these green assets, take a look at the owners. Mm -hmm. Great. All right. That was very clear. Thank you very much, Claire. Uh, we hope to see more of such insightful pieces from you and the team. So in summary, what did we learn today? Um, what is carbon intensity? Why is it gaining popularity? Which sectors tend to be carbon intensive? How to construct a portfolio of low carbon intensity companies? And how to identify companies that are likely to reduce their carbon footprint in the future? Thank you for visiting the UBS Research Pod Hub. That was an introduction on the theme of carbon investing in finance. With me, Sambudha Ray and Claire Jones at UBS. Tune in again for more investment insights. This content has been prepared by UBS AG, its subsidiaries and or affiliates, and is purely informational in nature. It is not investment research and does not contain an investment recommendation nor investment or professional advice.
It is not an offer or solicitation to engage in any investment activity, and you should seek your own financial, tax, and legal advice before engaging in any such activity. UBS has no responsibility to you in relation to this content. It has no regard to your personal circumstances or investment objectives, and receiving it does not imply any form of client relationship with UBS for any legal, regulatory, or tax purpose. This content is not intended for distribution into any jurisdiction where to do so would be contrary to law or regulation. UBS does not accept any liability over the content of such material or reliance upon any information contained herein. The views and opinions expressed by any guest speaker or third party are not those of UBS. Accordingly, UBS does not accept any liability over any such views and opinions expressed by such persons. This content is the valuable intellectual property of UBS, and UBS specifically prohibits the redistribution of it in whole or in part without its prior written permission. Copyright UBS 2021. The key symbol and UBS are among the registered and unregistered trademarks of UBS. All rights reserved.